welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? I don't know anymore, man. I really don't. Um, we are in Tonawanda, and we should start with introductions and titles so that everyone knows what they're about to get into and experience, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about all things Franks. Sounds good. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Frank DiMaria. I am the general manager of Frank's Basement Systems in Buffalo, New York. Uh, we also own uh, Frank's Mr. Plumber as well. Uh, been in uh, Tonawanda, New York for f- going on 40 years now. We have just shy of 150 employees. And uh, yeah, that's us. So does it just so happen that your name's Frank and you own Frank's Basement Services? There's been a long legacy of Frank's in my family. Uh, we had, so my, my, my grandfather was Francis. Uh, my dad is Frank. I'm Frank. My my dog's name was Frankie. Nice. Uh, unintentionally, we got him from a rescue. That was his name, and I couldn't couldn't change it. And then um, my son's name is Francis as well. So yeah, no, I think it was pretty premeditated. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really have much of a choice. Yeah. So did you always want to take over the business? No, no, I didn't. I I I fought it for a very long time. But growing up in a family construction company where it was like hey you want to go hang out with with dad we're gonna go snow plow like sj at three in the morning because that's that's what we did right um and so I, i i fought it for a while um i i pursued some other goals some other passions i actually was a teacher in another life i was an english teacher and um, through a series of many, many different events that, that happened, I found myself back here. So maybe get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to actually, we said Frank's Basement Systems, but what yeah. do you guys actually do? Yes. Yeah, so we are the uh, largest residential construction company in Buffalo, New York. Um, we specialize in waterproofing basements. Uh, you know, putting pipe in the ground to help alleviate water that's coming in. We are structural specialists, so we do anything from structural carpentry, girders, stanchion posts, all the way to wall replacements, helical piles, where we're helping houses that are sinking into the earth. Um, you know, we take care of crawl spaces, moisture control, uh, mold control, and then uh, on the plumbing side, we're, we're really a, a full-service plumbing company with a focus on, on site work. So, you know, sewer excavation, sewer repairs, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think we have uh, 15 crews now that go out every single day on the Frank's basement side mm-hmm. and another six or seven on the, on the plumbing side in addition to I think we're up to 10 or 12 service plumbers at this point now that are going out every single day uh, doing everything from, you know, fixing the kitchen sink to diagnosing why there's sewage in your basement yeah and the business has been in operation for how many years we're going on 40 years so my di- my my father started it uh when it well, when he was 15 years old uh he cleans earlier but it was about 15 <laughs> and he started we started uh landscaping so we when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're Frank's landscaping. So there's still like residents of Tonawanda who are like, Frank's landscaping. Like, you know, my dad planted flowers and sometimes he still like walks around here and he's like, all I want to do is plant flowers, right? Like, because we look at this operation now. <laughs> he's like, all I want to do is plant flowers. And he started, you know, on like, you know, Mrs. Jones's house planting flowers and cutting lawns and it's a really cool origin story about like how this whole thing started my, my father started it you know out of uh, his parents house right on Glen Cove in the town of Tonawanda and uh, out of a garage and he used to take a lawnmower and cut lawns and uh, there's a couple of variations of the origin story but the origin story is my father realized that he had some friends in the neighborhood who were too lazy to wake up to deliver the newspapers. So what he did on Sunday mornings is he went to his friends, uh, his friends' parents, and said, I'll take your kid's paper out because respect was still a thing mm-hmm. in the community at that time. <laughs> and they were, you know, the parents wanted their kids to deliver the papers. And he said, I'll go and I'll deliver your papers for your kid. You pay me a vig <laughs> and I'm going to go deliver these papers. So he got this little route and he was delivering papers. And then those customers, they're like, oh, hey, you're the paper boy. And he said, well, why don't I cut your lawns? And so he got a whole customer base of the people from that, and they were cutting the lawns, and he was got a, you know, uh, a landscaping business going. And what he realized is that in Buffalo, New York, you can't cut lawns because everyone has wet yards. So his first client was like, hey, you know, you can't cut my lawn. No one can cut my lawn. What do we do? And he's like drainage of course and no idea how to do it right so uh i think he went and worked at at a competition for a week to go learn how to do it and then he went back and he waterproofed the backyard of this lady's house one of his first customers i won't say her name for she's actually still still around and um and then uh you know uh to make a to make a long story a little shorter they said well you can waterproof my backyard can, can you waterproof my basement? And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> never <laughs> never knew how to do it. So he went and learned and then went back and waterproofed his first basement. And then with, you know, over the years, what ended up happening is probably not doing this story justice. But it's okay. what, what ended up happening is that they, you know, when you're in a basement, in order to touch, you know, pipe, you have to be a plumber. So, you know, rather than relying on other people to get plumbing permits to touch pipe, He's like, let's start a plumbing company. So that's, we had a plumbing company, right? Um, And then, you know, with basements came all the structural stuff. So you're like, oh, you know, waterproof a basement. Oh, walls caving in. So let's let's fix that too. Do you know how? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then we were, you know, doing I-beams and helical piles. And as we kind of grew up and my father grew up and, uh, you know, we started getting closely aligned with some professional networks such as Foundation Support Works out of Nebraska and Contractor Nation and um, Basement Systems out of Connecticut and to finally kind of like hone in on our craft and, you know, really, really evolve to what mm-hmm. we are today. But, you know, just crazy 
insane stories that I'll, I'll inevitably write a book about my father just <laughs> growing up with it because I've had such a unique perspective. Um, you know, anything from like, you know, him giving warranty on bushes and going back in the night <laughs> and spray painting them green and being like, they're good, you know. Or to, <laughs> this was, you know, 35 years ago or whatever. But, you know, it's he's the epitome of the American dream of like, no matter what, I'm going to figure out how to do this and true entrepreneurship. Right? So it was all based off of basically opportunity. He saw an yeah. opportunity that needed to be addressed. No one else was really doing it. Yeah. I, I, I think I think that where we have uh, gotten to is definitely um, a necessity. So, like, you know, I, I, I believe firmly in the importance of competition in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's vitally important to free market capitalism that there's, you know, opportunities for consumers to be able to shop, right? I think now we've we've definitely, you know, capitalized on the opportunity to say, okay, there's not a lot of people doing what we're doing and doing it to the extent that we're doing it with the licenses and everything like that. But I think my father's story, which is really unique to me, came out of a place of I don't know, I feeling a bit of a misfit. I think he'd be the first one to say that. Um, you know, my my father's formal education or whatever like that is nil, right? Like, you know, he he self-admittingly says like, "Hey, I got through school by cutting the teachers' lawns." Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so I I think that the education system failed him, but his spirit of saying like, "I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to provide I'm going to like, you know, have my family and make sure that they have what they need is, was that necessity? Sure. And now it's evolved into, Hey, we're the best at what we do. We need to continue to be the best. And what systems are we going to use to do that? You know? Um, so there was always that big stake of, Hey, you know, getting back to your earlier question, mm-hmm. did I always want to do this? It was like, you know, Frank, you go, you go get the college education, you go and not play in the mud, right? You go and, and don't do that. Um, and here I am, (laughs) but you know, but you um, got the education, but I got the education. Right. And, and I, in English education, right. Like I kind of always make the joke. I'm like, if you ever feel a little dumb, just remember someone in the world spent like a hundred thousand dollars on an education and a language we all already speak. But anyways, no, but that's, that's, that's a different story. But I, I went out and I, I'm really proud of the education that I got. And, you know, I, I've applied so much of teaching to running a company. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all it is. So, like, everyone with, like, MBAs and, like, all these courses and whatever, it's, like, it's all teaching. It's all it is. Sure. It's, it's the true measure of your company is, is how good you can teach your employees and your team to thrive, right? And that's all, that's all this is. Why did you choose English as a major? Um, I chose English as a major because I loved uh, storytelling. I loved writing and I loved uh, what language could do. It's so important. I think it's a lost art, mm-hmm. the ability to articulate and to speak. It's It was so fascinating to me. I actually had thought for a while that I was going to go and uh, be a music teacher because I, I play drums, I play guitar, music was a huge part of my life. Um, but I had a crossroads. I had unbelievable English teachers, like people who should have never been teaching at a high school level, like ever. I had uh, one of my teachers was had a doctorate from Notre Dame, and I got to study with him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this wow. is unbelievable. So um, in high school, 
In high school, yeah. I, I had some really overqualified teachers <laughs> that were ex- <laughs> like exposing me to some really great literature. And then before that, actually, as a quick sidebar, I think what really engaged me with uh, wanting to be an English teacher is my fifth grade teacher. I'm going to throw a shout out to her, is that uh, my fifth grade teacher, they had me in remedial reading classes, like for all of elementary school. So like, you know, the kids, the cool kids would go and play like dodgeball or whatever the heck kids do or whatever's not allowed now, right? (laughs) Right. And I'd stay and be in like the remedial reading classes. And she realized that like, okay, hey, you, what are you doing? And she realized that I just couldn't see. So, <laughs> so she helped me like on that journey of getting glasses. And then she'd always bring me in a copy of the New York Times. Like super pretentious, right? Fifth grade. But like she, <laughs> she brought in a copy of the New York Times and like helped me through like to get me caught back up. And I was just so fascinated. You guys with, bought like, some stock, yeah. We bought some stock together. Yeah, we were trading crypto <laughs> back in 98 or whatever, whatever right? Um, and then she got arrested for insider trading. <laughs> she, uh, no, she's great. And I saw her recently and I thanked her and I said, you were the reason that, you know, I became a teacher and I had some great teachers. And she's like, are you still teaching? I'm like, no, I sell drainage. And she was like, oh, I, <laughs> no. makes sense. But it makes sense. Yeah. It all tracks. It was at like, it was at, I think the great pumpkin patches with my family. So I didn't have time to do the whole, like, hey, let me tell you how this happened. Um, but, um, yeah, so I just had, I had great great influences. That's and I, and I love words; they're fun. Sure. Yeah. Have yeah. you started the book, the family book? Uh, which one? <laughs> like which which family book? Like the biography of my father? Or I didn't like, know there were multiples. Um, no. <laughs> Short answer: No. Next Short question. answer: No. Next yeah. question. <laughs> Next question. Yes and no. Yeah. Okay. Next question. You plan on doing it though? Eventually. Um, eventually. Yeah. yeah, eventually. He needs a little more Hemingway influence in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about people's lawns being flooded, and that's kind of what yeah. got your dad into doing this whole thing. Yeah. What's going on in Buffalo that everybody's lawn's flooded? We have terrible soil. Like, we, it's horrible. It's it, We have what's called expansive soil, right? And we also... Um, have like ridiculous weather because it's like gonna probably snow next week Mm -hmm. right like it's it's crazy so what happens is everything's clay right and so when uh clay either is exposed to water or a drought like it expands and contracts right and then like put that on top of us being a rust belt city right they put up houses super fast Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, we have a bunch of veterans coming back. We have all this steel. We need to get houses up fast, right? So um, some not-so-great builds on top of some really bad soils, on top of crazy weather conditions, that's that's kind of how we sure. got here, right? So um, a lot of really quick building um, and plan development kind of leads to, like, that backyard drainage not having good grading and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But the bigger structural problems, it's all the soils. And then you have like, I can get into it really deep, but like glacial deposits that are thousands and thousands and thousands of feet down and the movement of like literal subtectonic plates moving and shifting and reverberating all the way up to, you know, the surface that you see. Everything's changing underneath us and 
combine that with droughts, heavy rain, droughts, heavy rain, houses are sinking, walls are caving in, you know? And then, oh, by the way, they didn't use rebar because why, right? Right, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, built on swamps some places. and um, But it's not like a, it's not a Buffalo issue only, right? Like, I mean, you know, there's we've changed our building practices as a company. And so if people across the U.S., hopefully, to account for like, you know, 130 years of building. Sure. Are you concerned when you see new subdivisions yeah. sprouting up yeah. in areas where they're where we grew up? 100%. And you're like, I played in the swamps there. And now it's graded. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just I just had this conversation with my father-in-law. He was over at my house, and I live in Williamsville. And he um, he was he rode. He was a rower. I don't I don't get, I don't know much about sports, but I'm going to <laughs> I don't even know if rowing is a sport, but it is. Sorry, You're, for anyone who rows. <laughs> um, Everybody from UB just turned this off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or, or the DUville rowing team is just, it, yeah. they're, they're pissed. What a loss. Um, <laughs> and so he went, well, he rode and he rode for, I think, Maris. But, anyways, so he'd always like, he'd always come up to UB to, to row and to train and stuff like that. And he's like, when I came up here less than like 30, 40 years ago or, or whatever, like, there was nothing. There was, these are swamps. Like, these are just straight up. Like, I we never thought people would build here. And he even said that about the UB campus. So, like, when it started going up, they're like, how is how are they building here? We couldn't even walk over here, but they're building huge buildings. So, yeah. <laughs> like, how did I, they do that? I Well, so, like, new builds today are supposed to go through environmental impact surveys, right, where they're supposed to be doing the soil samples and you know the swell test and measuring what the heck is going on with the soil and i don't do new build right like i don't i i we don't do it right but i'm i'm thinking that that's happening right but i still am worried about like i i i always joke with my wife i'm like i i would i couldn't build a house Mm -hmm. i'd be like a builder's worst nightmare like i would i would want helical piles a hundred foot into the ground <laughs> for no reason. Even if I was building on bedrock, I'd be like, let's, just super unrealistic expectation. Super unrealistic. Like, Can we get I, to the core somehow? I want <laughs> 27 inches of concrete wall thick with, yeah. I want it on bedrock with dynamite that blows up the bedrock to drill the piers and then put the, it'd be terrible. Yeah. So, um, for now, we're at the house and we're at because I'm not gonna, I'm gonna build. Even even my wife is like, yeah, we're not building. Like, yeah. I would just be nuts. Yeah. So in the housing market right now, yeah. first of all, it's crazy because if you ask for an inspection, you're not gonna get the house. Yeah. So for people that are watching that are going to look at houses, yeah, what should they be looking for in the basement? That's a key indicator of get out of the house right now because one, you're not gonna get an inspection, and two, this thing's gonna collapse like tomorrow. Yeah. So here's so here's like a here's the gray area of things that I, I I work with a lot of realtors and the one thing to know is you know I, I don't want to speak out of turn to something mm-hmm. that I'm not like equipped to speak for but the the I don't know the advice that I give is that on the property condition disclosure form like they you have to disclose structural issues that you know of like and it's not happening I, you know, don't mm-hmm. want to make accusations and I'm not going to substantiate it with any firsthand accounts that I've actually seen. Like, but <laughs> like it, 
you're held liable for structural issues that you know about that you don't disclose. So number one, like look at that form if you're going to waive an inspection, mm -hmm. right? Um, the next thing to look at is like huge cracks in the walls, right? Like uh, huge cracks in the walls, windows and doors that are sticking, like a drywall cracking where it really shouldn't be, which is usually over door frames and things like that. Um, general dampness. Um, I see it all the time where there's, you know, huge cracks coming out of corners that people like patch with hydraulic cement. And they're like, oh, it's been like been like that forever, which is also my my talk about that too, which is my favorite thing that people say that they're like, it's been like that for 30 years. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, if you, you know, go to a casino buffet every day and smoke for 30 years, eventually your body's going to say, I've given you everything I have. Like everything has a shelf life, right? right. You, know, you buy a, f a brand new Ford for $80,000. They only give you three years and they're like, good luck after sure. that. So, um, it's, uh, I know I've went right around that question, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, look for it, it's pretty obvious. Like structural issues are, you know it when you see it, mm -hmm. right? And um, is there like a difference from a advisory standpoint of poured versus block foundation? No, I it, it depends, right? It depends more about the geographic location than it does the construction. So, what right? are some geographical locations or towns to? be hesitant on going to. I don't want to say stay away from because there's no. always workarounds. So, yeah. So I would have notoriously been like East Amherst, like Ransom Oaks area, right? Uh, around the swamps on UB, right? Like those areas. But I just did it. I did an interview with um, uh, the news where they went out to one of our sites to look at a house that we were peering. And um, one of the things I said in the interview, which continues to reign true, which is, I, I don't really know why, is we're seeing houses sinking in areas that I've never seen them before, mm. including my father for like 40 years. Like we have notoriously like had our bread and butter of, hey, we know that there could be a house sinking like East Amherst. We just did a job in Lackawanna. And I'm like, what? What do you mean in Lackawanna? In uh, town of Tonawanda, in Chittawaga, in, you know, Grand Island. So I, I would love to give you a sure. more articulated answer, but it's it's the landscape of the business is changing as we're sitting here. So it's it's you know, and that's not like a scare tactic, yeah. but like um, I don't know what's going on. One hundred percent. When it comes to the new build and, and construction and building codes, how is there so many changes occurring at a rate that it's tough to kind of keep up with? Like, how does that look from the business standpoint? with ever-changing codes and yeah. then ever-changing laws and regulations. Because if it's yeah. changing everywhere, then there's gotta be a message from who's ever doing these tests yeah. or the builders and saying like, hey, this is what we're looking at. So what's tough about that is with anything, New York State gives a law, right? And they give a directive. And then every municipality that has their own governing body, let's call it, right? Their own set of code enforced and everything. They can't change that law to not enforce it, but they can beef it up. And that's where it gets convoluted, right? Mm. So there, if there's a law that's put out, they can't change that law, especially if it's like health, safety, anything that we're talking about, but they can add whatever they want onto it to beef it up, right? And a lot of municipalities do it for the benefit of the taxpayer, right? Because like, They'll interpret New York state law and they'll say, you know what? 
it needs a couple more things. This is a good idea, but we need a couple more things to ensure health and safety and longevity and, and whatever. Um, but the problem is, is especially here, um, it changes so rapidly. And then it's a lot of it's on interpretation, right? So what we do in Grand Island, for instance, for code is radically different than what the code is in in Kenmore, mm-hmm. for instance, which makes it really problematic for a company like us who's trying to do the right thing because <laughs> we have certified master plumbers on staff who are like, my license is on the line. My, my dad's a master plumber, right? So um, it, it, it's like, how do, how do you keep up with it? So I think it's, we try to build really, really good relationships with all the inspectors, the municipalities. We always pull permits. We always get engineers. We always do like the things that you're supposed to do. But um, I don't know. It's tough. I I can't imagine being in you know new build right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Um, especially like just trying to keep up alone with the price of materials and the, like on a daily basis. I have sure. a friend who does new build, and he's like, I have no idea what what like I can only do uh, on a new build house a quote that is good for a week. Like if if they're not signing for like uh, right now, like I don't know what it's going to be. If this is Monday, I don't know what the price of X, Y, and Z is going to be by next week. Mm-hmm. Like the price of pipe alone, if you can get like schedule 30 or 30, 35 or any of like the sewer and sewer and schedule 40, like I, I don't know what the price is going to be if you can find it. So I can't even imagine what sure. like a, a new, a new build development's doing on, you know, granite or I don't know, whatever yeah. windows, you know, the supply chain has just got to be a nightmare in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is because who makes the materials? Is it outside entities and countries that we're just waiting on imports, or is it made within the U.S.? No, it's imports. It's imports. Yeah, okay. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to sit here and say like it's everything's American made, but like it it doesn't financially make sense for people mm-hmm. who are trying to put out that amount of product, and it's a shame. I wish that there were more, um, you know systems in place to be able to substantiate building product here right i mean it's what we're seeing with ford trucks right now you have like hundreds and thousands and thousands of ford trucks just sitting there and they've sent employees home because they literally are waiting for a chip Mm -hmm. like not from america and then like you know not to go too far down a rabbit hole but at the end of the day like a company like ford saying hey we're going to invest billions and billions of dollars to make our own chips here so we can have a sustainable product in the U.S. And then everyone's saying, well, then we're not going to sell you raw materials. And ultimately, you know, I think it's one of the talking points that should be talked about more is, is it's, it's hurting the the people that are trying to help jumpstart this potential near recession, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, right. Like Mm -hmm. to, to not crash the market, but to try to help and contribute to it. And, you don't have the means necessary to do it. You can't get raw materials. You can't get the stuff you need. And it's it's hurting ultimately. I think what makes me so aggravated about all of this is like it, it it's hurting like Mrs. Jones on ABC Street, like who's been at her house for 50 years, who's a widow, right? And, you know, has been saving up her... St- Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Like, whatever, to pay for her collapsing basement wall because she has to live at her house because, she mm-hmm. like, the price of a, putting her in a home is not feasible. She can't move anywhere, right? right? Because she wants a home inspection. <laughs> she right. can't buy a house with a home inspection. And, you know, where's she going to go? And I have to look at her and be like, look, like, I can't viably do your job for what I told you it was going to be four months ago because I'll lose money. Mm-hmm. And then, like, our amazing warranty won't be in place because I'll be out of business if I don't do things responsibly. Yeah. So it's been some rough conversations. When when it comes to the town, like, all the codes and everything that you're talking about, yeah. the owner of the house doesn't have to worry about that, right? You Your company handles all of that communication between everybody? Yes. Yeah, so um, we uh, we pull all the permits. Like, um, on our name, um, the one thing that we do that's different, and I'm going to encourage anyone listening to this podcast to do it. If you work with my company or don't work with my company, go out and seek the services when it comes to a structural problem of your own engineer. Like, I'm saying that at the cost of people not working with me and going Mm -hmm. to a competition. Because what I see is I see in this industry, companies go out and say, we're an engineer. And I say, no, you're not, because <laughs> an engineer is licensed on behalf of New York and has a fiduciary obligation to the homeowner to make a drawing that is going to be a drawing that substantiates structural stability of your home. Then you bring it to us or someone who does structural work and says, this is how much it costs to execute this plan. Like, it's so problematic when you have you know, people that are talking about how to fix something that haven't gone to school for, you have to go to school for like eight years to become a structural engineer. And then you have to go and be an apprentice for like another 75 years and then you get a stamp, (laughs) right? And then you can actually like, you know, not just design lampposts, you can design like, how do I stop this wall from caving in? So um, I take care of like the plumbing and the building permits and I file it. I have to file those, the stamp drawings with the Mm -hmm. municipalities and they keep them on file. Um, But if you got a structural problem, start with a qualified structural engineer. Like I just told you, I went to school for English education. Like <laughs> I got a good idea of like how to fix a basement, but like I didn't go to school for engineering, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the to the Frank's name on a micro level, yeah. With us, what we like to do is obviously support local for one. Yeah. But for two, when it comes to materials that we use or products that we put out, we try to facilitate other small businesses to yeah come up with a product yep the products that you guys use is it local or is it within the country like are you trying to combat the supply chain issue by using things that are made from within the country um so here's the thing so most of the products that i use on the basement side of things are proprietary products that were invented by uh, a gentleman named larry janeski who is an absolutely brilliant entrepreneur who started Connecticut Basement Systems and Contractor Nation, okay? Um, I know that some of the components are um, made and assembled in the US, but I'm just gonna speak for all contractors at this point and especially our own business. It is at the point right now that like, I don't really, I hate to say it this way, but I don't care where it comes from because I need to get it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds terrible to say that, but that's the reality is that like, as long as it's being done morally and ethically right, like I'd love to say 
like I said earlier, everything is, you know, American made, but like we, it's not happening. Like I can't, yeah, you know, so I mean, it's not like it's a new iPhone. It's literally right. your house is falling. Right. You don't really right. have luxury to sit around. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, and I'll throw, you know, shout outs to a lot of our, you know, local vendors we, we work with, like, you know, I can't say that the products are necessarily made in America, but like we try to work with local mm-hmm. vendors, you know, so we're making relationships with like the plumbing, the local plumbing supply houses and with the local, you know, <clears throat> steel dealer dealer and a stone dealer. And, you know, we're trying to forge relationships so that like other businesses within our world are getting our mm-hmm. business and, and staying alive. And I, and I think that like, that's, that's a good contribution. Um, you know, of saying like, hey, we're going to do business with you and we're also going to respect the fact that you need to responsibly do price increases to keep your business open and sure. we're not going to give you a hard time about it, mm-hmm. right? So that that's our contributing factor. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing too because you mentioned support works out of Nebraska. Yep. And yep. that's, you know, yep. another provider yep. from yep. within the country. Yep. So that's, that's a good note. Yeah. So from, obviously you're working with homeowners and taxpayers within yep. Erie County. Yep. Um, what other community work has Frank's done as well, Is because Erie County, uh, yeah, no. Oh. So, so uh, Frank's Mister Plumber is uh, uh, in Erie County and into Niagara a little bit as well. Um, and then the basement side goes everywhere from Buffalo proper all the way out to like Webster, Henrietta, oh, wow, uh, um, all the way up to the lake and then down to the Erie PA border. So yeah, we're doing that's our geographic location so yeah. wow we got we have quite a quite a territory yeah so so i i interrupted you but i just wanted to make sure that it wasn't just your county what, what were you saying i i don't remember your question at all. yeah perfect <laughs> do you sorry <laughs> and i'm smoked yeah. right now mentally because yeah. it's been a day it's been a day it's been a the, year it has been a year cheers it's been, it's been two years it's been a long two years yeah yeah the uh, <laughs> since you left teaching i'm that's just right, kidding that's right. i'm just that kidding was years ago yeah, yeah. the I honestly forgot what right. it was, and it was it was a good question. Oh, community work. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a really good. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good question. You're, I think that you were asking as a as a business, how do you give back to the community? I think, and, I think or, it was yeah, that segment. Essentially, yeah, you're one of the largest businesses we've ever had on our show from an employee count standpoint. Sure, most businesses have like I don't know, twenty or less. Yeah. Okay. So, which that's that's our mission statement: small businesses. Like, how okay. about the boys? You know, and not having time. Are we, no and are we ending like, this interview right now? Yeah, we're, yeah, too yeah. we're too corporate. We're, we're too sellouts. corporate. Yeah. yeah, we're sellouts. This shirt the, Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Want to go teach poetry? <laughs> but, um, but when you're that large, yeah. then your footprint is obviously large, and obviously yeah. the demographics, um, or the not the demographics, the the territory yeah. that you guys work in is very large. Mm-hmm. So what other things are you doing in regards to the community? So um, I will say this. So my my father has had this, you know, stance of, he said a couple things to me forever that are forever ingrained in me, right? Like, and it's always, you know, um, re- remember who's helping you on the way up because those are going to be the same people you're passing on the way down. Right. Mm. Like, and, um, I, I am, I will speak for him. I will speak for myself and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not a religious person by any means or anything like that, but like I am truly humbled every day and feel unbelievably blessed by what we have. Like, so let me just say that, right. My, 
family, myself, my father specifically has ingrained in me, like always know where you came from, right? Because even though we we have this beautiful facility and everything like that, like we have nothing without people in our team, in our community. We have, we have nothing. It's just a big 70,000 square foot building that's blue, like at that point, right? <laughs> um, and there's a cool game room, but that's... <laughs> um, but um, so some of like the community things, my father is constantly, and, and I, we're trying to always look for opportunities to help people that need it, right? So like on a... On a on a smaller scale, I think one of the most the most proud things that we've done is that we're aligned with um, uh, Heart for the Homeless and best people over there doing work that people can't even imagine. We just did, uh, I think it was last year, we did the Heart for the Homeless project. They were opening up a grocery store, basically like a food pantry, where people who you know are hard on their luck are able to come in and they created a grocery store that people could come in and they got vouchers and they could actually go and like bring their kids in and pretend like not pretend but shop mm. right and they built aisles and freezers to kind of bring some normalcy to to like a otherwise really crappy situation and we were able to waterproof that entire basement and make sure that it was within standards to keep food down there and we put dehumidifiers down there, waterproofed it, did the vapor barriers on the walls. And it was just such a good team building experience to have. I think we had like, I think we had almost 25 or 30 people there. Wow. We brought some food trucks and like everyone just got down and dirty and just bashed out like almost 200 foot of drain tile. And it was, a, it was the coolest thing ever. And like that will forever be one of my most amazing moments at work like far past anything mm-hmm. a PL statement could say like knowing that like that happened you know i'll take that to the grave right um i know you know over the years my father's done a, a bunch of a, a bunch of different projects actually over at uh suburban hospital on maple um my father in a very proud way did the i think the hope garden um where mm. he built um a big a big like paver garden Hmm. and kind of like basically outdoor sanctuary for people who lost their children. Um, that was a place of like refuge for them and it's, you know, still standing. Oh, wow. That's on the right side of the building, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, yeah, it's out. Yeah. It's out, out, Mm -hmm. out there. And, um, yeah, he actually did that. And I thought stuff like that projects like that. And then I hear all the time and I try to emulate this too. Like, Oh my gosh, you know, your father did this and it's stuff that I, I didn't even know. Right. Like, so when you grow up in a family where, you know, you're a family owned business, you know, the, the, it's been a really cool experience for me to be like, okay, well, I know dad was, you know, working and like, we always like had what we needed. Right. I didn't always know what that looked like. So now being in this company for so long Mm -hmm. and now I'm hearing the stories it's a super cool experience to be like your father showed up at three in the morning and like saved my life. And like, cause I called him and I knew he could help. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that legacy is unbelievable. And like, how do, how do I do that now as you know, on a very small sure. scale to, to maybe at six o'clock, maybe at six scale. o'clock. Yeah. yeah maybe at six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go six. 15. <laughs> yeah. six 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to grab yeah. a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, and I think, <laughs> I think I think the other thing is, um, you know, I don't I don't, don't want to sound cliche, but like one of our one of like the models that I always say, and 
I think it resonates super. I just do do the right thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I, and I, I, I'm I'm getting increasingly concerned that that sentiment is lost on on so many people. Like, just do the right thing, and if you have to ask like what the right thing is, then that's <laughs> your psychopath, right? Like, it's problematic. <laughs> like, just try to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Try to have humanity. Try to know that, you know, um, there's other people out there who are hurting. And when we're dealing with customers, like it's scary. I take it for granted all day long. I go into a house and I'm like, yeah, all four walls need to be replaced. No big deal. We'll be here like in a couple months. And the people are like, what? Like you're gonna lift my house out of the ground and remove all four walls? I'm like, yeah, yeah no big deal. We'll and I fine. can wait four months. Yeah, I can wait four months. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, no, no big deal. I'm like, but this is like tragic. And I gotta, you gotta think like, and I try to instill it in my employees like this is the biggest news like that this person will probably receive mm-hmm. this decade like that their whole house needs to be like fixed right a hundred foot of wall <laughs> it's gone <laughs> yeah. they're gonna pull up to the house and their house is gonna be on stilts so there's gonna be no walls and they gotta hope that we're gonna come back <laughs> which which we are but <laughs> which, we are. <laughs> which we are right and looks good right look, yeah. that'll buff out right <laughs> like, um and it's it's big work and like people are people are legitimately nervous about it. So I think like to your thing about like, well, what are we doing with the community? Like, you know, I wish more number one, but number two, I think like on a daily basis, I try to, I, I I'm going to take it back here. I initially got into teaching cause I want to help people. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I really wanted to help people and I believed in a mission of people are good and I can help them and I can do it through a means of literature so, um, right. And now it's people are good. People need help. People don't know what they don't know. And I can help them by like fixing their homes. We're literally rebuilding foundations mm-hmm. of houses. I'm like, it's a cool metaphor. But <laughs> like we're, we're literally doing that, right? We're keeping, you know, spaces dry. We're, you know, got, we got a, uh, we're working on, you know, jobs where, people have outgrown their houses and we're putting egress windows in right like and and so people have more room in their house so that you know they can stay at their house mm-hmm. and not have to compete in this crazy real estate market right. it's cool stuff you mentioned a warranty a while ago yeah what, what, how long is your warranty yes so it's it's a lifetime transferable warranty um as defined by new york state how do you um, even guarantee something like that yeah so it's 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 25 it's a 25 year transferable warranty new york state says a warranty has to have a time frame on it for it to be valid so sure. we said okay most people are are getting into their houses you know, hey five years into their mortgage they usually are seeing problems mm-hmm. finish out the mortgage completely transferable right any problems that you see with our work and I always, you know, look, there's going to be problems. We there's there's human elements, there's design elements, whatever. It's a completely transferable warranty. If you see any problems, they're they're always going to show up in the first 6 months, right? I have a full service department here that goes out and rectifies it immediately and you know, anyone can look really really good when things are good, but I think the true measure of like a person, a company, anything is what happens in times of chaos. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this, my dad says it a bit facetiously, but he's like, I'm the best there is. I am, I am, I am the best that there is. You want to know why? 
because I've made every single friggin' mistake that can be made. <laughs> and I've learned from them because I've screwed up everything over 40 years, right? So it's you get the benefit of saying, okay, we know how to fix this. And what's really cool is, okay, you get the work done with us. You sell the house tomorrow. I own that basement, right? Like I, I own that basement for 25 mm-hmm. years. So unless my kid can get more coordinated, which I don't see happening, he's not going to probably become like a, a neurosurgeon. Maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he'll listen to this podcast in 25 years and say, Dad, I, look at my degree. Um, and then end up still working here. But um, yep. um, <laughs> it transfers over. And like, you know, being in business for 40 years, you like we're going to be around. Mm-hmm. Like I'm taking over the reins. I'm running things. We're going to be around for the longevity sell your house, I own that basement. And the reputation that we have knows that like, when you talk about not having an inspection on a mm-hmm. house, right? Well, what's really cool, and I'm gonna say it a bit cocky, is like a lot of agents will be like, okay, there's a Frank's warranty, don't worry about it, the basement's good. Mm-hmm. Th- that's cool, right? It's a huge selling point it's right now. It's a huge now. selling point. And that's the biggest thing that you wanna look at a house, is like the, the mechanics, the basement, and the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh, Frank's was here, don't worry about it. Frank's was here, don't worry about it. Like, and it, it's cool to have that that name. If someone's brand new as a homeowner, yeah, and they're getting work done in their basement, yeah, the cliff notes because I'm sure it's super involved. But sure. what does it actually look like when a crew like what is the Frank's experience? What does it actually look like, and what is really involved if you're a homeowner getting a full system installed? It's like a waterproofing system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so customer will call us because they have water coming to their basement. Let's say right. So we have a design specialist. We have 13 design specialists now who go out and they diagnose the problem and they give a list of options to say, look, these are the ways that we know that we can fix your basement, right? And we help the customer to decide what's best for them and their goals. That's number one, right? And some people say like, I just want a dry basement. I want to have plans of finishing this, whatever the case is. We have our 15 crews, it's assigned to a crew. Crew comes out meets the homeowner, goes over the contract, and then the fun begins, right? Like I, I tell people when I talk to them about what we're gonna do, I say, you're going to hate me for about two days because I'm gonna have three really strong guys come down with jackhammers and beat the heck out of your basement for a long time and your neighbors are gonna be mad. And we're gonna literally have guys running up and down the stairs with five gallon pickle buckets full of concrete and clay. And I'm gonna dig a huge trench around the entire perimeter of your basement, which is gonna go into a big sump liner hole in the ground where the water's gonna go to. They're gonna clean everything up and then they're gonna be running back up and down the stairs with buckets full of concrete and re-concrete your entire basement. And it's gonna be dusty. And then we're going to be out of there. You're going to be like, oh, oh my God, my basement's dry. And you're going to forget all the pain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's bull work. I mean, it's really hard work. Like, I, <laughs> I love and hate my father for this. But, like, you know, it's like, hey, my friends were whatever, baseball camp or whatever. It's probably why I'm not good at sports games or <laughs> whatever. But like, I did play hockey. But, but that's not even whatever. Um they made me the goalie because I, I was the big kid. Uh, they, uh, they, you know, it, it's hard work. I mean, it's super, super, super hard work. And um, how many buckets have you moved? Oh, that was my point. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what I was trying to say. Thank you very much. Gotcha. Um, since I was like 14 or 15, I've been, I've been here like at night 
and on weekends, this is what I did. Like, I did this. I hauled buckets up and down stairs. In fact, I remember distinctly one of the first times I was on a job. Um, I didn't know, but a sewer had broken into the drainage ditch that I was digging. So I was hauling dirt into buckets, and then they had busted out a window to bring the five-gallon picket pickle buckets out. My dad had rolled to the job site to probably ensure that like they were like kicking my butt like reasonably enough that like you know right, <laughs> and I never forget holding the bucket up and bring it up and just absolute feces <laughs> everywhere, just all over. Oh no! And I and I think it was I think I had I think I threw the bucket on the driveway and I said I'm done. I left. I got my dad's <laughs> truck and I'm like, this is it. I'm done. And then you know, got real like loud in Italian. He's like, get back in that basement. And like do it. And I, I did. And <laughs> I don't know how many buckets I moved. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So you know, I was you know real tough guy like you know teenager. So I was always in three buckets, four buckets. I mean, they're so heavy. Yeah. I think that's why I have back problems. Like currently, <laughs> like I'm in so much pain all the time. <laughs> so um, I don't know. 10, 10 million buckets. <laughs> 10, 10 million buckets. 10, 10 billion. Billion. <laughs> billion. Billions of buckets. So I've moved more buckets. <laughs> All the buckets. I'm the best bucket mover. <laughs> so what is the relationship now with your dad? It's good. He stays on his side of the building and I stay on mine. So, <laughs> so he still works? Yeah. Every single day, he he's, he's currently, if you could turn the cameras around, he's currently repaving a huge part of the parking lot. Um, and he loves it. I mean, that's he loves it. He loves being in the field. And we've developed a really good relationship. We've had to set some like clear boundaries and be like, this is... This is what I do, mm-hmm. and this is this is what you do. And out of those conversations, it's it first started off. We actually we were sharing this office, and I was essentially when we first bought this building, I was sharing this office with him, and it was like my life was literally Tommy Boy. I'm like sharing an office <laughs> with my father. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and um, you know, we out of those like this is what you're doing, this is what I'm doing. Conversations came. This is what you're really good at, and this is what I'm really good at. And if we can combine forces, you know, and, you know, figure this out, Mm -hmm. um, it can work. And so I stay in here, you know, and I work on on the business and the business side of it and the stuff that he can't stand looking at. And he goes out there and and he makes things happen. He gets people motivated and he helps to run jobs and he helps to interact with customers. And he's the greatest cheerleader in the entire world for this organization and you know still at you know after being in business for 40 years gets down in the trenches and digs Mm -hmm. i mean he loves it and he's the hardest hardest working person i've ever met unbelievable yeah it's just it's it's amazing how old is he he's gonna be 55 this year so he's not he's not he's not that old um but he's lived a lot of lifetimes (laughs) Like, yeah, he's lived a lot of lifetime. So how do people get in touch with Frank's if they have something? And mm-hmm. what is a, a typical first sign that you probably should call Frank's? Uh, good question. So if people are calling us, well, the simplest one is if you have if you have human waste in your basement, you should probably call us. It's probably right. It's probably, it's probably a good idea. Um, 
if your sewer is backing up and there's feces everywhere, that's a good sign. So you could call our plumbing department and, you know, we have our phone numbers and we're all over the internet and all that. Get a hold of us, mm-hmm. call us, and there you go, right? Um, we dispatch a service plumber out and we figure out what's going on and why there's there's poop in your basement. Um, on, on the foundation side and waterproofing side of it, you know, if you're seeing things that you don't like, I, I find that homeowners really, really, a lot of them don't go in their basement very often. They really don't. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're, they're really kind of oblivious to what's happening. And so I feel like a lot of people will say, you know, oh my God, I went and did laundry, my wall's collapsing in. And I'm like, no, it, no, it's not. Like, unless you just had your rove, road paved or your like next door neighbor brought in a, a put in a pool and a circus happened next door. <laughs> it didn't just happen, right? Like it's happened over 25 years or 30 years or 50 years or 100 years. It's gotten progressively worse. And now you're noticing it because it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. So big cracks in the walls, um, you know. And then, you know, hey, this can happen where people walk into a basement, their basement floods for the first time. Their sump pump failed. They didn't have a backup sump pump. Mm-hmm. Their discharge lines were completely broken the interior drainage failed because it's clay pipe from 1952 and it was only supposed to last for 30 years. Right. Um, so you can get a hold of us, send in web leads, give us a call and send out a specialist. Do you have a Instagram or Facebook page? We do. Yep. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think our marketing director might be doing that TikTok thing. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) My old man. Right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Instagram, Facebook, all that, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. What's the website? Uh, franksbasements.com and callmrplumber.com. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we sign off? No, I really, work? I really appreciate the opportunity. Of course. Uh, this helped me to figure out some things about my own company. So I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I, you know, just huge shout out to you guys. Uh, the podcast rules. I love being on it and I love what you guys are doing with local companies and local businesses. And I'm really glad to have you guys here. Cool. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah. you very much, man. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. that. Yeah. So if you have a problem with your basement, hit them up. Yeah. They'll secure it for a lifetime. Lifetime. So, thank you. Poor New York State. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thank you. Sold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.